Hello, this is Coach Courtney from the World Changing Mind in Atlanta, Georgia. You are listening to the Reboot Your Biblical Perspective radio talk show, where we identify the misguided modern-day perspectives of the Bible, giving context to the spiritual dynamics of who and what you are via the lens of Rabbi Yeshua and his apostles in the name. On this radio show, we identify subjects and themes that have been misunderstood from the Bible, verified by pragmatic and experimental research carried out under the Zane Kai Keturah International Institute of Pneumatology. Hello and good evening, good morning, good afternoon. This is Tanya Whitkey from Virtual Kisses speaking to you live from Canada. And we would like to give a huge shout out to everyone joining us on Kingdom Purpose Radio, YouTube, and Facebook. If you would like to ask us any questions, feel free to comment on YouTube at Anointed Life or join our Facebook group, Anointed Life Mentorship International. We made it. (laughs) And this is Zinan Fuego coming in from the Caribbean, Trinidad and Tobago joining these holy sisters on the ancient topics that change the world. That's what we're here to do, to change the world. Amen. That's what we're here for, change the world. (laughs) Well, I'm glad we're here. Let me tell you that because uh, (laughs) we've just had an adventure to do this. So we have been getting, go ahead. So right now I will kill two mics. Oh, you are? Yeah, we (laughs) <laughs> I wish I could see how funny. <laughs> so right now we are we've been going into it's so weird to see myself on camera because while we're recording this, you all you are, we're yeah. also on TikTok and Instagram yeah. and I just have this funny filter up. But um so cute. While we are um on the radio show, we're we're doing this definition series for 2023. And so we've covered things such as faith, love, God, spirit. And today we are talking about salvation. Salvation, yeah. What is salvation? Yeah, absolutely. But we're talking about it from the ancient Hebrew pro- prophets and what they as the authors would have thought about salvation. Versus what we think about salvation in our current mindset in Christianity today. So this is going to be really interesting. So make sure you stay tuned. Well, I can tell you, like, um, just before I understood the the Hebrew, ancient Hebrew way of thinking on, Mm -hmm. on salvation, I thought salvation, just by hearing it around, because uh, those of you who uh, know my background, I didn't really go to so much church. I've been right. house churches and whatnot. But what I've heard salvation was, is you accept Jesus into your heart um, so you don't go to hell. <laughs> or you, and when you do, you got to end up going to church. And if you church hop, it's not really good because you can lose your, for me, what I've heard, you can lose your salvation, you're not really a Christian. Um, all these types of things that I thought, oh, that kept me a little iffy or a little scary about, well, about my salvation. What really is it? Leaves, leaves me wondering, okay, so why does it make you feel that way? I thought it was good news, all that stuff. Right. Hmm. I feel like similarly, um, 
in church, salvation was, well, I, I have a Pentecostal slash non-denominational background. So mm. salvation for me when I was younger was you had to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if mm. you did not receive the gift of speaking in tongues, then you were not saved because that was the evidence for your salvation. Right, and right. so that was a little scary. Um, fortunately, you know, I was like seven or eight when I received the gift. Um, according to that understanding. Right. But it's really scary because you were going to hell and then you also felt those who didn't, like I know people who did not get the gift, like for whatever reason in their mind, they didn't receive it. And they so, always so felt bad about themselves. And they always felt like God didn't love them or they were doing something wrong and they were going mm. to go to hell. Mm. And so that's a lot to carry. You know, that's a, that's a big burden to, to walk around with for an adult or even a child because that's what we were taught and so i'm i'm really really glad we're touching on this topic definitely definitely no that 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 is a um a a a, a very heavy burden to carry it is according according to the Indian prophets the strength of man is validation mm -hmm. and so when you create a scenario or you encounter doctrines that actually say that your salvation is actually based on whether or not you speak in tongues. What you have just done is actually told that person that their existence, their very existence, which is their validation, is based upon this manifestation. And if there's, that manifestation is not there, you're looking at placing a person within the limbo of actually mm -hmm. thinking and feeling as though the feeling on living in the zone where they're actually constantly hoping to get a sign that God has that God has accepted them. Mm -hmm. Right. So technically, what you're saying is that you have just placed that doctrine, that doctrinal perspective, has actually left persons thinking that they're living in hell. They are, and they and, feel totally unloved. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Because there is no approval. I and also then, oh go ahead sorry no, and, then, and then you have the scriptures like in in in, in the Bible in New Testament where, where where the Apostle John says a perfect love casts out fear mm -hmm. and that context of love there is actually approval approval mm -hmm. casts out fear validation casts out fear yes and that actually flows from the concept of equity equity. Right. There's one thing in particular that most people are not familiar with in the Westernized Christian culture. Mm -hmm. We have actually been programmed. Most people who actually are in the Westernized Christian culture, they have been programmed mm -hmm. to live from the perspective that there's a God out in the sky. It's an entire a fabricated reality that has been taught and promoted. And these things have been promoted by mainstream Christianity. And mainstream Christianity that has actually made it made it out. They have they've come up with their own definition of God. They've come up with their own definition of the biblical terms. And they created this entire narrative about the afterlife. Mm -hmm. An entire narrative about afterlife, heaven and afterlife hell. When the ancient prophets, who are the authors of the texts, did not actually even acknowledge anything of the afterlife um heaven or afterlife hell 
what they lived for was actually living heaven on earth. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The whole narrative of the Bible is how God was actually God created man as a multiplication of Himself. Mm -hmm. And their understanding, man was created Yahweh with Yahweh, and which means He was living from a mindset of living from heaven on earth and made mm -hmm. a decision to change his mindset. He changes mm -hmm. mindset and actually calls himself to find himself outside of that mindset. So no longer living from heaven, he's actually living as though he is separate from God based on his decision. He, he chose his own path. And this entire perspective was actually not understood by Westerners. You know what else was really hard? Um, the fear of losing my salvation um, or doing something bad enough where you would do it or um, not asking for forgiveness and you lose it. Right. But also the, um, the feelings, and I think I mentioned to you this before, like where you'd be in bed or something and outside is like this big bang or noise and you thought it was the rapture or some sort of horn wind. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I'm still here, so I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, because that's... I'm still here. And I, was like, I did not give my salvation. Oh no, I didn't fast or pray for something enough. So those fear of hell was was just so dominant for me. Like it was such a large part of my my faith and the 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 being able to lose it and doing the wrong thing and and suffering because I didn't. I didn't do something on my checklist. Yeah, definitely. Kind of I, if you weren't really sure about your salvation, you had to run to the altar and redo it, rededicate yourself. That's a vicious cycle also. Yeah. That's a vicious cycle because there are other doctrines that actually teach that if you do something like you, 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 you receive salvation now, according to their definition of what salvation is mm -hmm. and that actually places them in a position where they are now living measuring whether or not they still have salvation by what they do and what they don't do mm -hmm. yeah. what's and the tiktok there i'm sorry because i'm gonna tell people where to go daily prophetic wisdom daily prophetic daily prophetic um miracles mm -hmm. at daily okay. prophetic miracles Miracles. Okay, that's where they, you can go to hear Dane also talking in my ears. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a person watching. <laughs> right? And um, th this definition that was given in Westernized Christianity, we have statistically almost 3,000 denominations that exist today. Mm -hmm. And the only common factor based on what has been created in Westernized Christianity is the, is the, is the perspective that if you don't, if you don't live right by what you do, you're gonna go to hell. Yes, yes. And most believers have actually been living from that perspective. Mm -hmm. And before we even even begin to define what salvation is, or or talk about what the ancient prophets understood mm -hmm. salvation to be, what Jesus and the apostles understood salvation to be, mm -hmm. as, as it relates to what we have been taught and what has been familiarized with in westernized christian culture we actually have to come to the understanding that if the scripture in itself says that 
you're supposed to actually walk in love and perfect love casts out fear. Mm -hmm. How are we actually incorporating doctrinal perspectives that actually see that you are going to hell to, in, to instill fear into you mm -hmm. and say that that is actually God? So and you're that, saying that if it instills fear in you, it's not God. Is that it, what you're saying? It, it cannot be God. Okay. Because the new covenant actually gives you the security that Christ is in you. The yeah. fear that you have is that you do not sow and create a, a, a enough. The, you do not you do not sow and create your own hell in your personal life. Mm -hmm. But as okay. for with regards to divine approval, the new covenant provides everybody with divine approval. Your fear is actually what seeds do you sow that you could be written that that you could reap later on in your life. But divine approval is sure for everybody in the new covenant. And that's another thing that you have just brought to my mind is also I was taught that that meant that. We had to, you know, you see the people on the corner, especially when I lived in New York, there was always some person on the corner with the big sign right. saying, repent, the, the oh, really? Lord is near, he's returning yeah. and, and all this stuff and just scaring people into covenant, if you will, which most people don't even know what that is. Um, so like our job, it, even though we we do want to share Christ, it was just like a, a little bit different. It was like I had the fear factor and people would come preach at your church and they're trying to scare you into getting saved and coming down to the altar. It's like right. there's a lot of fear-based tactics yeah. to get people saved, you know? Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And simultaneously, you're saying perfect love casts out fear. Yes. So well, how, I was just saying that too. How, like it's how a, does that put together? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say that they preach about love, a lot of love, but how am I feeling that I'm scared if I'm not able to do something in a certain area or like, like we're talking about salvation, when you have that fear of, oh, if, he, if, I, if it's perfect love, why do I feel the way I do? Why does it feel scary? It was exactly. so many times when I heard that no, some sort of noise outside and I woke up and looked out the window, ran into somebody else's bedroom just to make sure, okay, my family's still here, looking outside to see if other people are still here. Because right, right, right. My heart would just be beating so fast. That was a real thing for me, guys. <laughs> no, I understand because I actually also grew up, remember I came up in 15 years of actively following Pentecostalism. Mm -hmm. And we were taught that. And there were, there were moments in my life where we heard a loud sound outside. And I actually ran up and to see who who was who was here, because hmm. quest, questioning whether I wonder if that is if that is Yohan that they're speaking about, mm -hmm. and um, am I am I being left left behind? So I you know that movie. Yeah, because you're on outside to see if everybody's still here. Because if everybody's still here, at least have some company. If I get left behind, right? Like, is my mom still here? <laughs> I want her to still be here. <laughs> I just, <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> Girl, helping people are still gonna have to be the thousand year reign with you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so needless to say that the the destination concept mm -hmm. of um or the idea of salvation, meaning not going to hell, is a Westernized Christian concept that has been fabricated by Westerners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So our research at the institute. In the context of the ancient Hebrew prophets, mm -hmm. 
I mean, just, this is not just the ancient Hebrews. We're talking about the ancient Israelite paradigm. And for everybody listening, this is a, this is a this is a a differentiation that needs to be made. Mm-hmm. It, it, we need to make this differentiation because yeah. there's a lot of people online, a lot of people in the world right now that actually speak about the ancient Hebrew perspective. Yeah, and that is a very broad perspective. And because of that, I made a post recently on on our Facebook community, actually explaining this so that we can get some clarity as to where we are coming from. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people could be hearing what we're saying and assuming that their ancient Hebrew knowledge or the Hebrew knowledge is actually pertinent to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. First of all, we must come to understand that when we say Hebrew, okay. Hebrew is actually not necessarily is, is, uh, the, the, the prophets of Israel. Right. We have to understand, number one, that the scriptures were written by by, by ancient prophets and ancient Israelite prophets. Right. Number two, we also must actually come to the understanding that there is this big movement in the world about ancient Hebrew, but the technically, those who are called Hebrews are historically acknowledged as the descendants of someone by the name of Heber. Right. And Heber is one is one is the great grandfather of Abraham great or, sec- or, or great-great-grandfather of Abraham. Therefore, when we say Hebrews, we're speaking about a large demographic of people. Okay. And Israelites are among them, which means all Israelites are Hebrews, but not all Hebrews are Israelites. And when we narrow into the Israelites, this is something that most people in, 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 in Westernized theology, they, they do not know whether you were formally trained, formally educated theologically, or you are just one of those who actually, you're, you're a religious fervent, mm-hmm. then we, are, we actually have to understand that amongst the Hebrews were the ancient Israelites. And right. these Israelites had a, 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 a national covenant that they would actually step into. And that national covenant came with them committing to taking on God's name as their own. So you're saying within the the Hebrews of the Hebrews, mm-hmm. <laughs> two different Hebrews where one took on the name and the other one, they just did their own thing? So the Hebrews have their own culture. Okay. But, but ancient Israelites took on Yahweh's name as their own, as a cognitive law, as a way of life. Which is why they were physically circumcised in response to Genesis chapter 3, the animal skin being placed on a man outside the garden. Mm-hmm. Which is also why they they were um they were ceremonially washed. Which is why in the New Testament it says be born again, because this is not the first time that they were ceremonially washed. Mm-hmm. John the Baptist was really washing them again. Okay. as an act of repentance to come back to the name that they were initially ceremonially washed into, which is Yahweh. And then they memorized the scriptures. So in memorizing the scriptures, what they did was take on Yahweh's name as their own, and then the perspective of Yahweh, the perspective of the man in the garden, prior to his decision to, to use an external reference point for, for personal comparison and for personal validation, was actually written in this book of the law. And they had to memorize that to be able to walk out the name and the character and the perspective, 
the psychology of Yahweh. Mm -hmm. So once we understand this, then we need to understand that when we say ancient Hebrew, just because we understand ancient Hebraic culture, it does not necessarily mean that you understand the ancient prophetic culture. You know, that kind of makes me think about how my cousins and I, we all have the same grandmother. Right. But then it kind of dwindles down and then you have, you know, each individual child of my grandmother and then their kids. And so what we do in our house may be similar, but we hope we may run by a whole new set of rules in our particular house, even though we're from the same family tree. So that kind of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's a good mm -hmm. analogy. Yeah. Right. That is, is, it's the same thing is mm -hmm. that these people actually had their own principle. And that, that came from God's name, the name right. Yahweh. Now, in that understanding, when we understand that the scriptures were then passed down and it ended up in the hands of the Greeks and the Romans, mm -hmm. they, they had no understanding of the ancient prophetic culture. Right. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was around, even the Pharisees had strayed from the ancient prophetic culture. Mm -hmm. Which is what Jesus, where, where, where Jesus learned the scriptures from. He learned the priestly perspective of the scriptures. Right now, when we're actually speaking about salvation in the westernized Christian culture, has been taught that salvation is really accepting Jesus so that you don't go to hell, saying the little prayer, right? You, you accept Jesus in your heart so that you don't go to hell. That's actually what the, the this is basically what the um, the ancient prophetic culture was about. Sorry, not the ancient, but the westernized culture is about. Mm -hmm. they, they came into the understanding of um they pretty much came into the understanding of the in the westernized culture they they decided because it was really a decision in 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 interpretation of the doctrine mm -hmm. it was really a decision that they would actually read the text and try to interpret it but they interpreted it independent of the independent of the ancient priestly culture mm -hmm. Right, and I mean, there's a lot going on around that time, so it's very unlikely that they were actually going to get any circumcised Jew to even talk to them. Hmm. So, this perspective, they read it, and what did and what Westernized Christian culture has done is read the scriptures and actually applied it literally without understanding that the ancient priestly culture came with number one. You, you, you came into contact with Yahweh and the scriptures actually have, there's a difference in the scriptures. There's verbiage that is verbiage that belongs to covenant and then verbiage that belongs outside of the covenant. Mm -hmm. So they actually did not know that the covenant, covenants in the Bible come with a covenanted realm mm -hmm. as well as co covenanted verbiage. And because of this, they interpreted it literally. And so this, this, this gave birth to the whole afterlife perspective where people actually have believed that there is a hell and that you're going to hell. I actually want to read what it says in Wikipedia. It says, in Christianity, in Christianity salvation, also called, called deliverance or redemption, is the saving in human beings from sin and its consequences which include death and separation from God by Christ's death and resurrection and the justification following salvation. 
Salvation in Christianity or deliverance or redemption is the saving of human beings from death and separation from God by Christ's death and resurrection. Yeah. So this, this narrative group and now salvation, which has a totally different context. Right. In the ancient priestly culture and the priestly and prophetic understanding of the scriptures, because they are the authors, the prophets are the authors of the scriptures. They had their own definition and westernized christianity took that read it literally and started to create an entire perspective and teach that you're going to hell when you die mm -hmm. one of the massive one of the biggest travesties that have also been taught is not only that you're going to you, you, that you can go to hell after you die but they, they also made heaven a, 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 a destination post-life right which totally contradicts the scriptures. Mm -hmm. When we say the scriptures, we're talking about the ancient priestly and prophetic interpretation of the scriptures. All right. So our research actually revealed that the the the, the 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 narrative of the Bible had nothing to do with any post-life destination. Mm -hmm. There was no there was no there was no concept of a post-life definition um, destination in the context of the um in, in in the context of the scriptures the ancient prophets actually taught that man in the garden of eden was god's breath when it was breathed into the dust they understood that god's breath was god's name mm -hmm. right. and therefore when god breathed the breath of life into the dust if you read the text through the blocked system of logic that the text is written in the ancient block system of logic, you will see very clearly that the name or the breath, the breath and the name is one and the same, was breathed into the dust, and therefore man became Yahweh in flesh. Right. Right? Which is why Jesus identifies as the first and the last, and he is called the firstborn of creation. Why in, in John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Because Jesus actually took on the identity, the name of the man in the garden, to show what the man in the garden would look like. And so because he is the first and the last, the first, the first, the first Adam, as well as the last, then when we see Jesus, what we really understand is the man in the garden. So if, the, if Jesus taught this to his disciples in John chapter 1 verse 1 this John is a disciple of Jesus mm -hmm. and a disciple of Jesus disciples in the in the in, in the culture of the of the Israelites around Jesus's time and even today in Israel mm -hmm. the Orthodox culture is that disciples they do not write history they are not writing they are not historians right they are actually regurgitating the teachings that they memorize from their rabbi mm -hmm. which means if jesus writes if john writes in the beginning was the wood and the wood was with god and the wood was god then we know that john is actually regurgitating a teaching that he received by jesus from jesus and jesus actually used that to show to give context because he was identifying as the first one and the last he was actually pointing out by by giving that summary of Genesis that in the garden, man was created God, with God. 
mm-hmm. as one species of being. Now, when man made the decision to change his point of comparison, literally what man did was change his reference point mm-hmm. that he was using to, to actually find identity for himself. And in their culture, what you use as your reference point is what you're clothing yourself with. Yes. So if he's using a tree, he begins to dress himself up with the leaves of the tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is where the decision, that, that right there is where man switched from living from heaven and earth and began the struggle of the pursuit of his validation. Mm-hmm. And that pursuit of the validation is technically what, what hell is where you are actually living your own hell on earth when you are mm-hmm. living in the pursuit of your personal validation so with the so you're saying that with culture it's a different reference point but with what um jesus was demonstrating or with the prophets or even with the teachings right. that were down is basically a, like you said um they are god they're talking they're talking about a your your identity your where you've come from it's not a culture it's not um a, like the tree in the garden it's not none of those references it's about you it's, it's all about you yeah. it's all about what you were created to be and how mankind strayed from that right the, the perspective of the narrative is that you were created to function God, Elohim, Yahweh, mm-hmm. function, and that means that you function from God's name as a law of being, as a law of thinking, right. as a law of seeing things, how you see things, yeah. which means man was supposed to function from his spirit as his reference point to define himself, to define the decisions that he now to define his potential, his limitations to define how he would make decisions, to define this process of rationalization, to define how he judges things, and even to define what the universe is. Right? That was supposed to come from the spirit in him, which is why the name was, the name was given to him. And we see this in the Bible, because the prophet Isaiah actually says that whom God created, he gave his name. Okay. And we're talking about that came from the breath, the breath of life that was the breathed breath, into him breath, for anybody who's never listened to us before. Yeah, it, this is actually the breath of life. The breath of life is Yahweh. The DNA flesh. of God. Right. The DNA, the spirit of God, everything in flesh. Mm-hmm. And the whole conundrum was that man decided to use something, not that his, his, his spirit that he has, but he began to use an external reference point. Mm-hmm. To define himself and to define his his potential, his limitations, his process of rationalization, to define how he makes decisions, to define how he judges things, and to give him an idea as to what the world or the universe is. Mm-hmm. And, so, if you, and if you take a look around right now in society, that is yeah. exactly what is going on. Everybody is using something, something else as a as, as a pursuit of validation, whether it's money, social mm-hmm. status, social media. Mm-hmm. You are pursuing validation. So when we look at salvation, and when we're looking at this in in our world today, and what we've been taught in our our culture or civilization, 
you're mm-hmm. worse. If you don't get saved, you you'll go to hell or <laughs> all those things. That's another pursuit outside your identity, the 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 reality. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's it's a if it's it's a different reference point. So and even in that, you're lost. You're still lost because you still don't understand. Because you don't know anything other than what you were taught. Yes. Right. Right? Now, the whole narrative of the ancient prophets is that when man made a decision, he caused a corruption of spirit. Yeah. So he was no longer functioning from his spirit as his reference point. He is actually now, um, he is actually now functioning through the perspective of external, external pursuits of validation. Mm-hmm. Listen to me. If you take a look around in the world right now, everything that's taking place proves the ancient prophets' narrative to be true. Mm-hmm. There are people in society in general who are pursuing validation through money, social status, yeah. having possessions, having a husband, having a wife. They're looking for a sense of legitimacy from these things, mm-hmm. from academic accomplishments, mm-hmm. from having a family. Some people are taught hey, you're not a man until you have a family. Mm. Or women. Some people, men are taught in society, you have to provide and protect to be a man. Mm-hmm. So you go pursuing that validation. Mm-hmm. Doing the same thing that the man that the man did that found that caused him to find himself outside the garden. It's almost, like, it's almost like this is what I'm supposed to do. But this is what I am. I'm this when I work and I exactly. family and this is my name <laughs> kind of thing because. like that. And, and because then, they're not living from the breath of life, which is their nature, the DNA of God, who they truly are, we have the greatest amount of mental health issues that we've ever them. had. But, and that's what's causing mental health issues. That is what's causing mental health issues, which is why we're constantly saying, live from your heart. <laughs> <laughs> All right? Yeah. Even, I mean, I'm speaking about outside Mm-hmm. outside Christianity. If you come yeah. inside Christianity, what Christianity has done mm-hmm. is they have actually used the sent Bible that's supposed to educate them about their spiritual capacity yes, and their spiritual potential mm-hmm. to, to actually be a people that can live by power mm-hmm. and, and by supernatural manifestation, which, by the way, we have proven at the International Institute of Pneumatology. Mm-hmm. We have 50,000 hours of research pragmatic and experimental research that proves that what is written there, the covenants are actually framed to define your energetic capacity. Mm-hmm. And we have healings, resurrections, and dominion from that. Dominion over creation. Mm-hmm. Being able to control weather patterns and more. So this actually shows that. And what has taken place is that we have believers or people who actually grab the Bible. And instead of actually understanding that it is about them, to, 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 to get an understanding about themselves, what they have been taught is doctrinal perspectives. Right. And what is going on right now, take a look around, they have actually begun to use the Bible as a pursuit of their validation. Mm-hmm. Right. So having the correct doctrine, that's why you go on social media, say something about the Bible, and everybody have the perspective, and they come and they begin to attack you. There's a fight. And a fight start because what you're dealing with is that they are using the Bible mm-hmm. and their biblical perspective as a pursuit of validation. And mm-hmm. as soon as you touch it, you touch the identity. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Then you have those, then you have those that are actually taking taking scripture, taking the Bible, and they are reading it through the limitations of the westernized mind. Mm-hmm. And they're actually out there trying to disprove people and disprove these perspectives. All again, using the Bible, their definitions of what things are according to their limited westernized minds that has no sophistication to it. And and actually running around trying to invalidate others' perspectives. Or what they're actually doing is using the same scriptures to give you the responsibility to prove them wrong or to actually get put you in a position where you have to validate your personal stance. Mm-hmm. Take a look around. That's exactly what caused the man to fall out the garden. Mm-hmm. The pursuit of validation. I love so, what, I'm sorry, Zane. I love what God has said. He says, my ways are higher than your ways or my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. That's a favorite scripture. That's, <laughs> That's what they used to tell you. <laughs> because if we're outside the true identity of what God uh, has made you to be, like this true species of God made you to be, your right. your thoughts are lower. There, it's at a lower capacity than what His is. What you re- what you should be lining up with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So when man fell outside of the garden, what mm-hmm. happened? Changing his nature. It's, it changed his name and it says that he would surely die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's death. death so if you look back in history, hasn't everybody been dying? They have yes. been dying. They have been dying. Passingaway.com. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's dying and everybody's not dying, but they're actually suffering from sicknesses, diseases, infirmities, mental health issues. But this is not what was happening in the garden. That was not what was happening in the garden. In the garden, man was actually living with robust life because he was living from his own spirit. Mm -hmm. The ancient prophets actually show that whilst all creation here does not actually compare themselves to each other, they're living in a manifestation of their own energy. The ancient prophets actually use the garden narrative to show that man changes cognitive law and he is the only the only species mm-hmm. that began to compare himself to other species you don't right. see a lion comparing itself to a giraffe mm-hmm. you don't see a giraffe comparing himself to a hippopotamus you don't see a dog trying to meow like a cat or anything like that but mankind mm-hmm. is spending their time pursuing validation and trying to get upon each other and trying to prove themselves to be right and 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 um and sophisticated when their system of logic is actually killing them they were showing us the identity crisis very prevalent <laughs> all that there you know who wins nobody nobody so really wins. nobody wins right so get what is salvation in this context because what we see in the garden is most this is very simple eh? Sal- the concept of salvation as mentioned in the new testament even though it has been massively and cataclysmically misinterpreted heavily misguided hmm. all you need to do to understand what salvation is to go back to the garden narrative number one if man was given god's name in the garden he was called yahweh elohim adam 
Yahweh Elohim Adam, and he makes a decision, and he's just called Adam outside of the garden, then number one, man changes name. Mm-hmm. Number two, he had life in the garden when he found himself outside of the garden by changing his cognitive law. He, be- he became the person of death. Number three, he began to suffer sicknesses, diseases, and infirmities. And the ancient prophets teach that inside of the garden, man, the universe, was literally in a, 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 um, a synchronistic connection between man and creation. And so when he changed his cognitive law, he gave the creation, he, he started to function from different thoughts. And the universe, what we call the universe, began to reflect a different manifestation. Things began to die. Mm-hmm. The desert. And he is now living in the desert. In the garden, there was water. Outside of the garden, he is in the desert. He has to pursue water. So what is salvation? Salvation is basically where Yeshua takes on the, the identity of the serpent. And he puts, uh, Because the garden actually lives by the law of... The garden actually functions by the law of every spirit reproducing after its own kind. So what Yeshua did was take on the identity that man inherited outside of the garden, reversing Genesis chapter 3 to nail that identity back to the tree that man got it from. Mm-hmm. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. It was the cross that represented that mm-hmm. tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so Yeshua reaped death and all of its fruits on behalf of mankind and nailed that identity back to the tree that he got it from breathe the breath of life out of his body which is in their context man was the light in the garden he breathed the breath of life out of the body and the place goes back to darkness re- confirming that he was the light and he walked around saying that he's the light of the world okay right the garden goes back to that the garden the place goes back to darkness and then three days and three nights later he is resurrected by the father the Spirit of God re-enters into him and he identifies as the first and the last, meaning but by the Spirit of God re-entering into him, he identifies as the, the progenitor or the firstborn of the species of man. Mm-hmm. And because he identifies as that person, the resurrection meant that all of mankind inherited the resurrection as, as their reality, as the spiritual mm-hmm. reality. So what is this basically? Salvation is the restoration of the breath of life into humanity mm-hmm. and that you are given God's name again, which is why you are to have faith in the name. Because man changes name from Yahweh to just dust, Adam. And Yeshua is actually the one that resurrects humanity, puts to death the identity that he inherited outside of the garden and now brings back, resurrects humanity and now your your message to the world is Christ is in you. Meaning, and even Paul in, in, in Romans 10 actually says that you are to be saved by confessing with your mouth the name mm-hmm. and believing in your heart that God raised you in his name from the dead. Mm-hmm. And so also, that, oh sorry, go ahead. So that you are now living from your spirit again, which is why you're given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is 
is in your heart and the Holy Spirit is your heart. So what you're basically facing in your covenant, when you're looking at the new covenant, is, is pretty much the restoration of the breath that was breathed in the garden, replacing the corrupted nature that man had. Mm. And the gospel message has been thwarted here now, because when it came into the hands of the, of, of, of the Greeks and the Romans, it, they didn't really understand the dynamics of the garden as mm -hmm. the, the point of the scriptures. Yeah. The name of God that gives meaning and context to the entire contingent of scriptures because mm -hmm. these are various texts and various scrolls that have been comprised into one document and letters that were written by apostles. They, they, they did not know that. So now they have actually, what, what took place is that they read it literally, not understanding the covenant verbiage of the scriptures. And on the, the covenant realm that comes with it. Mm. And so they assumed it was simply surmising. There's literally surmising that you go to hell after or heaven after, when really Jesus actually restored the breath of life into humanity so that you could live heaven here now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it also means that you don't identify as human anymore because you go back. To the nature that Adam was in the garden. Exactly. And he lived as Yahweh Elohim in flesh. Yahweh Elohim, Adama. And because of Jesus, we now live as Yahweh Elohim, Yeshua. And so we have now taken on the DNA of God and we live as Christ. That's exactly. how we are supposed to be witnesses because we are to do what he did. So, so salvation is basically, number one, the restoration of the name. Mm -hmm. which is the title of the species. Mm -hmm. In the context of the, of the Garden, even, Garden of Eden narrative, man was called Adam, with Yeshua doing what he did. And the, the, the ancient perspective of that, from the perspective of the Garden of Eden, is that Yeshua has renamed the species Adam. He renamed it Yeshua. So according to the ancient prophets, to the apostles, and, all, and, and, and everyone that was actually preaching this gospel, they were actually preaching that you are now an upgraded version. Mm. Now received, your, the name has been restored to you. The proper nature has been restored to you. Mm -hmm. Number two, salvation is therefore being saved from death, sicknesses, diseases, and infirmities, which is why when you're preaching salvation, you heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out devils. I see, I see. Because you are actually removing the manifestations of death from the body. Mm -hmm. And in removing it, the person, the person now actually has the ability to begin to renew their mind and be transformed into the fullness of the nature of that name. So that prophecies like Isaiah 65 mm -hmm. that says that men in the new covenant will live like trees mm -hmm. and you'll live more than 100 years. That's amazing. That, that will be restored. Salvation is now actually having the perspective of God himself based on the principle of that nature, the physics of that nature, to be able to live life and see life and see the creation through that perspective. Mm -hmm. Salvation is actually the restoration of the full connection of the creation with you that you can actually live as in Christ, as the husband and the, and the universe as your bride. Mm -hmm. 
so that you all function as one, so that you can actually give life to the earth, give life to the cosmos, give life to people's bodies, resurrect the dead. Salvation has nothing to do with an afterlife, heaven and hell. It's actually awakening to the reality of your energy, or what science would, want, would now call your, your energy, and the frequency of your energy, and stop the comparisons of comparing yourself, trying to validate yourself by, by external points of reference. Which is why God is called the highest name. It is why it's he called is the highest name. frequency. All other things are a lower frequency. Exactly. In case people are scared of the word energy and frequency, which, you know, <laughs> as a former Pentecostal, I was. Okay. It was weird. You yeah. know what I want to do? Mm -hmm. I want to like touch on a couple scriptures uh -huh. that maybe people need like some insight from what you just said. Is that okay? Right. Before so, you do that, I just wanted to um, sum up that. So, every you're saying, Zane everybody after the resurrection who was born now two thousand or after 2000 years is born with the spirit of god in them yeah out of them and it's all around us yeah so there is if there's sickness we see on the earth we are to eliminate it you are to eliminate it that's what you're here for knowing and, and renewing our mind towards what Christ has done for us, which is salvation and the good news to um, um, not die anymore <laughs> um, and just bring life everywhere we go. Exactly. Okay, great. Go ahead, Cardi. <laughs> so I wanted to just like, if we could touch on a couple scriptures, if not, I get it, but the first one I wanted to look at is John chapter 3, verses 3 through 6. And it says, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So in the context of the conversation we have, can right. we help people put that into perspective? So the first thing that we need to understand is that no Westerner that actually has come in who fall under the category uncircumcised is born again. They, are, they have just been born. The context born again in the scriptures is actually a covenantal, a covenantal concept to be born into a covenant. Um, so an equivalent to that in our present society is employment because your covenant is an employment contract. It's, it's, it's very similar. And so if you go to, you find a job and you go into your interview and you pass the interview and the person says, okay, well, this is, my, this is our contract and we're hiring you as a waiter, a cleaner, a, a manager, an accountant, whatever your, your, your position is. The moment you sign that contract and this, uh, you step into that position, that would be in scriptural verbiage. You have just been born into that identity. Correct. Right? You sign it and you begin to function as identity. You are now born into that identity. Mm -hmm. In the context of ancient, the ancient Mosaic system, 
it's the same thing the same it's the same concept that applies when when they were physically circumcised representing the cutting off of the the mindset of external reference re reference points for life and for validation they were then ceremonially washed now what baptism is in the gospels was actually known as ceremonial washing in the old covenant so what did the ceremonial washing represent it simply meant that the waters the waters had a reference in the garden of eden the water in the garden of eden remember in the ancient prophetic perspective or the ancient priestly understanding man was actually the firstborn of creation and man was the creator and possessor of heaven and earth therefore the creation the garden heaven and earth was like a twin spirit of his because it, he had to multiply his spirit for this garden to exist mm. for him to have dominion over it so if you had put the garden of eden and the man to stand up next to each other what you what you saw in heaven and earth was is actually various manifestations of the various qualities of man's spirit in the garden so the water in the garden is understood in the text as a mirror of how the, his spirit works what his spirit how his spirit functions in creation was actually seen and represented by how the water gave life to everything self-existently so just as the water would actually go to the roots and it will fill the plant and give it life so our 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 mind our heart our spirit has the ability to to give things life from 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 its spirit and then and then it is revealed in the flesh now when man fell outside of the garden he was no longer referencing his spirit so the one thing that you see absent outside of the garden is there is no water right because in the garden is functioning from his spirit so water was present because the water was a mirror reflection of the spirit that he was functioning from mm -hmm. he finds himself outside of the garden he's no longer functioning from his spirit so there's no there's no water outside of the garden he has to now go and dig wells to find life which is actually representing how he is pursuing these external things to gain to gain a sense of of validation so that he can have life mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. So when they speak about being born again, first of all, we actually have to understand that when Moses gave them the covenant, they had to go into this ceremonial washing, which was them entering what you call a mikvah. Mm -hmm. And the mikvah had running water in it. The running water was supposed to reflect the, wa the, the, the waters of the Garden of Eden. And so you were actually baptized but they call it ceremonial washing. You were submerged in this water and you rose being born into the identity of Yahweh again. Mm -hmm. When John was then actually preaching baptism and he said, repent and be born again, he was baptizing them in an oasis. But they understood that, that that water was the living waters of the garden and therefore it also was used in the capacity of a womb. Mm -hmm. A womb of the spirit. So they are submerging the water and they arise out of it as though they are born from the womb again, taking on a new name, severing all external reference points, especially if you are a proselyte, you had to abandon life. And then you actually had to come into memorizing the Torah as the mindset of God, the mindset of the name Yahweh that you're taking on. So when Jesus actually tells Nicodemus, no one can enter the kingdom 
no one can enter the kingdom unless he he is born again it simply is actually identifying that the kingdom the perspective of the kingdom the power of the kingdom comes from god's name and because israel strayed away from that they had to be baptized to be born again it's like it's like you are actually not covenant yeah you, you want to employment you mm -hmm. you started being a waiter and somewhere along the line you actually lost sight of your job specs and your title and you end up out on the road um sweeping in front you've gone you've gone off somewhere being born again is coming back to the is coming back to the employer and apologizing for not fulfilling your responsibility for actually taking on a different title and going going ahead to do other things and then they actually have to renew you so as though now you go and you sign a new contract to say okay you are employed here again mm -hmm. and you come back into the title that's you being born again born into the covenant again mm. nobody in the westernized world was circumcised they were not in a covenant with god before paul mentioned this in ephesians chapter 2 when he says that the uncircumcised was, was outside of the covenants of promise without hope and without god in the world so when you come into Christ, you are now born of God, which is why John, in his 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 letter, First John, he says that you are born of God. He does not say that you're born again. You are born mm. of God. So good. Because mm -hmm. you're now you're now coming to the contract. So the water, the water therefore represented the function of the spirit. So Jesus actually parallels it. He says you have to be born of the water and spirit. Mm. Because be, being submerged in that. That was actually what the garden, the waters represent in the garden. So being submerged in that is like being submerged in the spirit and you arise with the name of the spirit. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you can now see the kingdom because you're functioning in the name that the kingdom flows from. Wow. I wish we had time to get into some other scriptures because this is so good. Because right. um, I even wanted to touch on like Romans 10, 9, you know, if you confess with your mouth. because. Wow. That's every Sunday win. Um, yeah. So we will have to see what we do next week um, because we do have to go, you guys. So <laughs> the time is up. Time is the time up. Is up. The time is up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we want to thank you all for listening to the Reboot Your Biblical Perspective radio show with Tanya Wookie, Courtney King, and St. Pierre. You can learn more about um, salvation by joining our Facebook group, Anointed Life Mentorship International, or visiting our website. International Institute of Pneumatology.com. And to listen to this segment again, find us on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts. If you have any topics you guys like us to cover, leave us a comment on Facebook or YouTube. Boom. Thanks for watching. Yeshua. Grooving, we grooving. Hey, hey. <laughs>